Hi, Grade Fours. Um, we're going to continue with our read aloud of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. It seems really crazy, but we have one chapter left in this book. Chapter 18, which is called Dobby's Reward. This is one of my favorite books to read aloud. I hope that you are able to um, finish reading or finish listening to all of my read-alouds. And then I hope you're able to watch the movie and make some comparisons and see how different it is, whether you like it or not, favorite parts, least favorite parts, all that kind of stuff. So this is pretty exciting. Usually we get to do this in class together, which is one of my favorite parts. Um, but hopefully you're still enjoying this from home. Um, and so let's finish this book. So chapter 18, Dobby's Reward. For a moment, there was silence as Harry, Ron, Ginny, and Lockhart stood in the doorway, covered in muck and slime, and in Harry's case, blood. Then there was a scream. Ginny! It was Mrs. Weasley, who had been sitting crying in front of the fire. She leapt to her feet, closely followed by Mr. Weasley, and both of them flung themselves on their daughter. Harry, however, was looking past them. Professor Dumbledore was standing by the mantelpiece, beaming, next to Professor McGonagall, who was taking great, steadying gasps, clutching her chest. Fox went whooshing past Harry's ear and settled on Dumbledore's shoulder, just as Harry found himself and Ron being swept into Mrs. Weasley's tight embrace. You saved her! You saved her! How did you do it? I think we'd all like to know that said Professor McGonagall weakly. Mrs. Weasley let go of Harry, who hesitated for a moment, then walked over to the desk and laid upon it the sorting hat, the ruby-encrusted sword, and what remained of Riddle's diary. So this page in the book is not exactly the story. It's actually just a big picture of Fox, the phoenix, and it has some information about this type of bird. So I'm just going to read some of the information on it, and then we'll continue with the story. The phoenix lives to an immense age, as it can regenerate, bursting into flames when its body begins to fail, and rising again from the ashes as a chick. Phoenixes we will regurgitate indigestible plant material as pellets, these are highly sought after both for their medicinal properties and for the peculiar appearance of gemstones within. These rare stones or phoenix flint are said to afford protection from cold in high places to those who wear them. Phoenix feathers possess magical properties and are employed in the manufacture of wands, staffs, and amulets. The vein feathers emit a faint light. Tail feathers are hot to the touch. Phoenix eggs are glossy green or blue in color. They require no incubation, but may not hatch for several years. Phoenixes are notoriously tricky birds to raise or domesticate, largely due to their uncanny ability to vanish at will. Phoenix tears have powerful healing properties. 
Phoenix's song is unmistakable, musical, haunting, and very loud. It is reputed to increase the courage of the pure of heart and to strike fear into the hearts of the impure. So those are some facts about the phoenix. Let's continue with what is going on in the story. Then Harry started telling them everything. For nearly a quarter of an hour, that's 15 minutes, he spoke into the rapt silence. He told them about hearing the disembodied voice, how Hermione had finally realized that he was hearing a basilisk in the pipes, how he and Ron had followed the spiders into the forest, that Aragog had told them where the last victim of the basilisk had died, how he had guessed that Moaning Myrtle had been the victim, and that the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets might be in her bathroom. Very well, Professor McGonagall prompted him as he paused. So you found out where the entrance was, breaking a hundred school rules into pieces along the way, I might add. But how on earth did you get out of there alive, Potter? So Harry, his voice now growing hoarse from all his talking, told them about Fox's timely arrival and about the sorting hat giving him the sword. But then he faltered. He had so far avoided mentioning Riddle's diary, or Ginny. She was standing with her head against Mrs. Weasley's shoulder, and tears were still coursing silently down her cheeks. What if they expelled her? Harry thought in panic. Riddle's diary didn't work anymore. How could they prove it had been he who'd made her do it all? Instinctively, Harry looked at Dumbledore, who smiled faintly, the firelight glancing off his half-moon spectacles. What interests me most, said Dumbledore gently, is how Lord Voldemort managed to enchant Ginny when my sources tell me he is currently in hiding in the forests of Albania. Relief. Warm, sweeping, glorious relief swept over Harry. What's that? said Mr. Weasley in a stunned voice. You know who? Enchant Ginny? But Ginny's not... Ginny hasn't been... Has she? It was the diary, said Harry quickly, picking it up and showing it to Dumbledore. Riddle wrote it when he was 16. Dumbledore took the diary from Harry and peered keenly down his long, crooked nose at its burnt and soggy pages. Brilliant, he said softly. Of course, he was probably the most brilliant student Hogwarts has ever seen. He turned around to the Weasleys, who were looking utterly bewildered. Very few people know that Lord Voldemort was once called Tom Riddle. I taught him myself 50 years ago at Hogwarts. He disappeared after leaving the school, traveled far and, wild, far and wide, sank so deeply into the dark arts, consorted with the very worst of our kind, underwent so many dangerous magical transformations that when he resurfaced as Lord Voldemort, he was barely recognizable. Hardly anyone connected Lord Voldemort with the clever, handsome boy who was once head boy here. But Ginny, said Mrs. Weasley, what's our Ginny got to do with, with him? His diary! Ginny sobbed. I've been writing in it, and he's been writing back all year. Ginny, said Mr. Weasley, flabbergasted. Haven't I taught you anything? What have I always told you? Never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. Why did you show the diary to me? 
Or your, why didn't you show the diary to me or your mother? A suspicious object like that. It was clearly full of dark magic. I, I didn't know, sobbed Ginny. I found it inside one of the books Mom got me. I, I thought someone had just left it there and forgotten about it. Miss Weasley should go up to the hospital wing straight away, Dumbledore interrupted in a firm voice. This has been a terrible ordeal for her. There will be no punishment. Older and wiser wizards than she have been hoodwinked by Lord, Lord Voldemort. He strode over to the door and opened it. Bed, rest, and perhaps a large steaming mug of hot chocolate. I always find that cheers me up, he added, twinkling kindly down at her. You will find that Madame Pomfrey is still awake. She's just giving out mandrake juice. I dare say the basilisk, this basilisk's victims will be waking up any moment. So Hermione's okay, said Ron brightly. There has been no lasting harm done, said Dumbledore. Mrs. Weasley let Ginny out, and Mr. Weasley followed, still looking deeply shaken. You know, Minerva, Professor Dumbledore said thoughtfully to Professor McGonagall, I think all this merits a good feast. Might I ask you to go and alert the kitchens? Right, said Professor McGonagall crisply, also moving to the door. I'll leave you to deal with Potter and Weasley, shall I? Certainly, said Dumbledore. She left, and Harry and Ron gazed uncertainly at Dumbledore. What exactly had Professor McGonagall meant by deal with them? Surely, surely they weren't about to be punished. I seem to remember telling you both that I would have to expel you if you broke any more school rules, said Dumbledore. Ron opened his mouth in horror, which goes to show that the best of us must sometimes eat our words, Dumbledore went on, smiling. You will both receive special awards for services to the school, and let me see, yes, I think 200 points apiece for Gryffindor. Ron went as brightly pink as Lockhart's Valentine flowers and closed his mouth again. But one of us seems to be keeping mightily quiet about his part in this dangerous adventure, Dumbledore added. Why so modest, Gilderoy? Harry gave a start. He had completely forgotten about Lockhart. He turned and saw that Lockhart was standing in a corner of the room, still wearing his vague smile. When Dumbledore addressed him, Lockhart looked over his shoulder to see who he was talking to. Professor Dumbledore, Ron said quickly, there was an accident down in the Chamber of Secrets. Professor Lockhart... Am I a professor? said Lockhart in mild surprise. Goodness, I expect I was hopeless, was I? He tried to do a memory charm and the wand backfired, Ron explained quietly to Dumbledore. Dear me, said Dumbledore, shaking his head, his long silver mustache quivering. Impaled upon your own sword, Gilderoy. Sword? said Lockhart dimly. Haven't got a sword. That boy has, though. He pointed at Harry. He'll lend you one. Would you mind taking Professor Lockhart up to the hospital wing, too? Dumbledore said to Ron. I'd like a few more words with Harry. Lockhart ambled out. Ron cast a curious look back at Dumbledore and Harry as he closed the door. Dumbledore crossed to one of his chairs by the fire. Sit down, Harry, he said, and Harry sat, feeling unaccountably nervous. First of all, Harry, I want to thank you, said Dumbledore, eyes twinkling again. You must have shown me real loyalty down in the chamber. 
Nothing but that could have called Fox to you. He stroked the phoenix, which had fluttered down onto his knee. Harry grinned awkwardly as Dumbledore watched him. And so you met Tom Riddle, said Dumbledore thoughtfully. I imagine he was most interested in you. Suddenly, something that was nagging at Harry came tumbling out of his mouth. Professor Dumbledore, Riddle said I'm like him. Strange likeness, he said. Did he now, said Dumbledore, looking thoughtfully under his thick silver eyebrows at Harry. And what do you think, Harry? I don't think I'm like him, said Harry more loudly than he'd intended. I mean, I'm, I'm in Gryffindor, I'm... But he fell silent, a lurking doubt resurfacing in his mind. Professor, he started again after a moment, the sorting hat told me I'd, I'd have gone done well in Slytherin. Everyone thought I was Slytherin's heir for a while, because I can speak parcel tongue. You can speak parcel tongue, Harry, said Dumbledore calmly, because Lord Voldemort, who is the last remaining descendant of Salazar Slytherin, can speak parcel tongue. Unless I'm much mistaken, he transferred some of his own powers to you the night he gave you that scar. Not something he intended to do, I'm sure. Voldemort? Put a bit of himself in me? Harry said, thunderstruck. It certainly seems so. So I should be in Slytherin, Harry said, looking desperately into Dumbledore's face. The sorting hat could see Slytherin's power in me, and it... Put you in Gryffindor, said Dumbledore calmly. Listen to me, Harry. You happen to have many qualities Salazar Slytherin prized in his hand-picked students. His own very rare gift, parcel tongue resourcefulness, determination, a certain disregard for the rules, he added, his mustache quivering again. Yet, the sorting hat placed you in Gryffindor. You know why that was. Think. He only put me in Gryffindor, said Harry in a defeated voice, because I asked not to go in Slytherin. Exactly, said Dumbledore, beaming once more, which makes you very different from Tom Riddle. It is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. Harry sat motionless in his chair, stunned. If you want proof, Harry, that you belong in Gryffindor, I suggest you look more closely at this. And that is where I'm going to stop for today. We are halfway done our last chapter so we will finish that off tomorrow and then we'll be all done our book bye everybody <laughs>